Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together, we are the Minimalists. Welcome to a brand new episode of our podcast. Today, we're going to talk about jobs. I love Steve Jobs. (laughs) Wait a minute. I read all his books last night. (laughs) Did you? I watched every movie that ever had to do with Steve Jobs last night. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what? I'm just making sure I was really well prepared for this episode. Ryan, it's the first time you ever prepared for an episode. <laughs> and you prepared I know for, I w- for the wrong episode. <laughs> what are you talking about? We're going to talk about like vocations and what you do for your know, career. We're talking about Steve Jobs' vacations? <laughs> well, hey, before we, we jump into all the, the questions we're going to answer today, just real quick. We're hitting the road really soon. It's called the Less Is Now Tour. Yeah. Ryan and I are going to give an in-depth talk about minimalism in your city. We're also going to do a very, uh, wait, I was going to say a very live version. That's not right. It's it? not just live. It's very live. <laughs> it's extremely live. <laughs> I don't know. Sunday, wh- Sunday, Sunday. I don't know why we're calling it the Less Is Now Tour. I'm telling you, we should have called it Huckfest 2017. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I took that recommendation <laughs> and, and it was on the list. <laughs> it just didn't make it, huh? Yeah, well, it made it somewhere. Man. Into the trash can. <laughs> Anyway, um, actually, you know what? It's funny because when we did in 2012, we did the Holiday Happiness Tour. We were out on the road, Ryan, and we we, it was, we did 10 cities coast to coast, basically just drove around. And uh, it was the first time for me that I realized, like, oh, wow, we can actually attract more than two people or eight people to to, to a event. And uh, I remember the initial... Uh, title for that tour was the holiday hugs tour and you're like mm, no 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 but like it somehow just hit you you're like holiday happiness tour and so um yeah we'll still be dishing out hugs this time around we're gonna get a, give an in-depth talk about minimalism we'll do a very live version of this <laughs> podcast apparently um in front of some audiences across the u.s and canada and maybe elsewhere as well we're still working on all the details but you can find all the the cities and dates and so forth and and get uh signed up for our email newsletter over at the minimalists.com slash tour you can stay up to date with everything we've got going on there all right ryan we're not talking about steve jobs today we're going to talk about jobs we got some questions from our audience you want to go ahead and dive in let's do it all right ellie from richmond virginia I'm a recent college graduate with a bachelor's in elementary ed. I was able to get a job straight out of college as a behavior therapist, and I really love what I do, and I feel like I'm really good at it and it's what I'm meant to do. The problem is money. I am budgeting, scrimping, and cutting costs by living with my fiancé, but I'm still living paycheck to paycheck. It's a 30-hour week position, which I really like, but my hours aren't guaranteed, and a recent federal regulation has cut my pay as well. I've also been consistently looking for babysitting jobs and other odd jobs, but with my hours not being consistent and changing every week, it has been hard to find anything. In short, I'm doing what I love, but I don't have enough to save, let alone consider even paying off my credit card more than the minimum. I will soon also have to start student loan payments and then thinking even farther ahead. I want to start a family, and how am I going to support that? After three months of doing this, I'm starting to think that having a job I don't enjoy as much would be less stressful than worrying if I can buy groceries before my next paycheck. So I wanted to know what you guys thought and if I should find another job. All right, I'm going to try to do this without any notes here, Ryan. So I have to try to memorize Ellie's question here. But um, I'm like Jay-Z without writing anything down. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I tell all my friends, that you're like (laughs) Jay-Z. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, so Ellie, you you have uh, quite the predicament here. And I, I will tell you, there you're going to look going to want to look at this from a couple different perspectives. One is is more short term or really mid term. What what's your mid term outlook? 
And, and it sounds to me like you've got a lot of debt. So go back and listen to our finances episode that we just published because you're going to want to do a lot of things to get out of debt. And you're, you're going to have to do some things that are a bit uncomfortable, whether that is delivering pizzas or, or driving for Uber or Lyft. You're going to have to work more than 30 hours a week to get out of debt, though. That, that's, that's the first thing that I would do is I'm going to work my butt off to make sure that I get out of debt so I can have that financial freedom, which is going to bleed over into other areas of my life too. You're going to have more time freedom then. Because is it ideal for you to work 30 hours a week? I don't know. For me, if I worked only 30 hours a week, I would go crazy. But uh, for some people, 30 hours might be too much, especially especially if you're wanting to start a family. 30 hours may not be the the ideal time frame for you to, to be working long term. But in the shorter term, you can't afford to not work more hours because you can't afford the debt that you have right now. You're living paycheck to paycheck. That's a problem. So you're broke. But that's a good indicator of something has to change. And then also, you, you talked about you, you love uh, what you're doing. And I think that's great. And I, I think that you said, what was the word she used, Ryan? That she was meant to do it. I don't, don't get bogged yeah. down in that. You weren't meant to do anything. You weren't meant to be a teacher. You weren't meant to be a yoga instructor. You weren't meant to be an astronaut. You weren't meant to be a writer. The, the key is, what are you passionate about? And how do you cultivate that into a passion? That's actually good news. When I say you weren't meant to do that, that means there are dozens, if not hundreds of things that she can be passionate about, Ryan. And she can find some of those things shorter term that's going to allow her to pay off those debts a little bit more quickly. What are your Ab- thoughts? Absolutely. Well, I would say first, like the one the one thing that really stuck out to me uh, with her question was the credit card debt. If you haven't got rid of your credit cards already, like you cannot afford any more debt. And it's funny because I, I used to talk myself into this with credit card debt. How so? Well, I would have credit card debt but then I would be like, oh, I'm going to hold on to this credit card in case I need it for an emergency so I could get myself into more debt when that emergency comes up. It doesn't matter. Uh, it, that situation, like hindsight does not matter. There will always be another emergency. There yeah, all, everything right. becomes an emergency. And that, that's what gets you into debt in the first place is you're treating everything like it's an emergency. It's an emergency card, right? Yeah. And that's a problem. Get man. rid of it. Or give it to your fiance and don't let him give it to you unless... You know, for, unless there actually is a true emergency, because I do like there's somebody out there who I'm sure could like, you know, call in and tell us this amazing story about how uh, a credit card saved. It saved me once um, mm-hmm. like I, I had wrecked my car mm-hmm. and I needed like three thousand bucks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I paid that loan off uh, the credit card loan, which was unbelievable interest rate. Uh, it was like two months. It took me to pay off yeah. two or three months. But it was like you know, scrounging, scrapping, ramen noodles, peanut butter and jelly diet to pay that off in two months. So, I mean, even me, like I, I've had that work, but what I'll say is, well, most emergencies aren't. Yes. And we actually have a whole essay uh, written about that at theminimalists.com slash emergencies. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. You're welcome. You always got my back on those forward slash. Yeah. Uh, well, but, but, oh yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I'm just thinking, man, like, uh, short term, she needs to do some stuff, and and she also needs. She said, "Fiance, right? She has a fiance. Yes. Uh, she needs to make sure they're on the same page as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, so he needs to contribute because you're going to be married soon. It sounds like so your debt's going to become his debt and vice versa. So does he have debt as well? Yeah. Because if so, you need a plan that you need to agree on a plan. By the way, the the two biggest things that people argue about in a marriage is sex and they, they argue about money, right? Yeah. And so if you don't start addressing this the this monster when it's a baby you're going to it's going to hurt your marriage long term and so you you want to be able to to address this now and and i know that your question is more about your career and should i go find a job that that i uh, dislike because she said i'll feel less stressed if i find a job that i dislike no, you won't. Not long term. You're going to feel more stress if you if you're working for the next 30 years doing something that you dislike. Yeah, you have one life here and it's your opportunity to be able to create that. And the best way for you to create that is to set yourself up for success. Now, how are you going to do that? You're going to get out of debt. You're going to determine what are my values? What am I passionate about? What are the things I can be passionate about? And then how do I cultivate that into a passion? It sounds to me, for you, that could potentially be a family. It could potentially be teaching where you're at. And if that's what you're passionate about, give it your all, whether that's 30 hours a week, 40 hours a week, whatever. But 
on top of that, you're going to find other things that you're passionate about. You don't necessarily have to make an income from what your hobbies might be or other things you're passionate about. Ryan is super passionate about snowboarding. He doesn't make any money from that. You don't have any sponsors, do you? No. Uh, so if there are any uh, sponsors out there that want to sponsor me to <laughs> snowboard, <laughs> I can. Dude, you should see me ollie on a snowboard. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but uh. <laughs> no. You know, I, I think Ellie can have the best of both worlds here. Meaning, I think she can keep her job that she loves. Uh, I know that her job, if she's at a school, there's got to be a certain time when they don't need her. So whether that's after three o'clock, after four o'clock. So yes, whether it's a Lyft or Uber or delivering pizza, something that she can get a job doing after those hours that she is required to be available. You know, you can make up to $35 an hour on some of those services. That's crazy. I mean, that's 70 grand a year. Yeah, that, that's really good money. Now, wow. you're not going to make 35 bucks every hour, but you're also working for yourself. You get to determine your own hours. What does that mean? In the, the short term, I, I'm not one of these guys who says, you just really need to get out there and hustle and you're going to make money and hustle. No, but yeah. you are going to have to work your butt off sometime. Yeah, and this is easier said than done. Like, I don't want to, like, oversimplify. I mean, I know we are all about simplicity and giving, yeah. you know, very simple advice. And it is simple advice, but it is going to take a ton of work. I could not yeah. agree more. It's simple, but it's not simplistic. Right. And, and meaning, all, all you have to do is find a, a way to, to execute your plan. But if you don't know what your plan is, and, and I can tell Ellie doesn't know what her plan is right now, Ryan, that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to, to, to be where you're at right now, but it's not okay to continue to not have a plan when you're moving forward. I want you to, to be able to develop your job, which it sounds like it's a job right now. I want you to be able to develop that into a mission long term. Mm. And I don't want it to just be a career, meaning could you go somewhere else, get some sort of clerical work and and, and uh, do something you're not passionate about, you're not excited about. Yeah, you could have a nice career making 70 grand a year. And for some people, that's okay. But I would, since we're talking about, about passion right now, I would love for you to do something that, that allows you to contribute, that allows you to be creative, that allows you to be the best version of yourself. For me, teaching in the classroom day after day would not be ideal. I teach a writing class and I do so online, but I don't do it every single day either. I find a lot of value in, in doing that. That is really, you know what, that's a good point, man, because we, when we started the minimalists.com, we didn't sell anything for like the first year, a little bit over a year. Yeah. And when we started to like monetize it, it was okay. Let's make let, you know. Let's let's write this book and publish this book ourselves. Right. Um, which when we did that, it was we could do only eBooks at the time. Like it just yeah, you know, happened to fall in place like a year after we were able to start doing print books. Right. But my point is, is like we we kind of layered stuff uh, to supplement our income. It was yeah. like okay, either we go get regular jobs, we go be baristas or uh, what whatever it may be. Or we try to figure out like just, you know, a few different ways to make some income. So with the writing class, with my, my, my mentoring program, like, like you, man, I could not mentor every single day. Like I love mentoring. I love helping people, but mm -hmm. you know, thinking about doing that for eight hours a day, every single day, I don't think it would work. Oof. Yeah. So you, you would do it if you had to do it. Like if you sure. had a bunch of debt or something and absolutely it, 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 as a short term, it would solution. be a temporary solution. Yeah, exactly. So, so that that's, you bring up an interesting point here. So it's okay to do stuff for free. Now I, I would say if you're in debt, you do want to do something that you're going to get paid for. But if you're trying to build a, a business or become an entrepreneur or something like that, uh, I mean, the vast majority of what you and I do, Ryan, is free. We've done hundreds of free events. Not all of our events are free now, but this podcast, you don't have to pay us anything. We don't even do advertisements. Um, you can donate if you'd like, but, but it's free content that we put out there. In fact, I hate that word content uh, because I want meaningful creations. Right. And so we'll often re-record podcasts if we don't feel great about it or, or whatever we're doing, the essays on the website, the social media, we find ways to add way more value. So if you want to make, well, let's say here uh, with Ellie, if she needs to make $100,000 this year, well, then you're going to have to find a way to add $400,000 worth of value. Mm. Because if you can find a way to add $400,000 worth of value, you will be able to make $100,000 eventually. Um, not that, that, that that's a magic number that's going to solve everything. It's not. If you have, It depends on how much debt you have. I know plenty of people who make six figures a year who are broke, man, yeah. who can barely afford their mortgage payment, who are getting Verizon notifications because they're getting ready to shut their cell phone off because they haven't paid their bill. You know, there, there are people who make ostensibly a good amount of money, 
but are spending it poorly. And it's because yeah. they don't they don't have a plan. I don't want to turn this into another finances episode here. Uh, you can go back and listen to that. But I, th- I think for Ellie, what she's going to need to do is is she's going to need to identify what are her values, what, where does she want to be, how long is it going to take her to pay off that debt, and then what is she passionate about? And is she, how is she going to cultivate that into a passion? Another thing to keep in mind, Ryan, is the average person now changes careers, not just jobs, changes the the career the focus of their career seven times over the course of a lifetime now wow so it's no longer where you know you you had a <laughs> a factory job that you worked 30 years and you got your pension and then you're done no you might have a factory job i mean you might have a factory job and then you go work at a restaurant and then you start your own business and then you go work for a corporation i mean the over the course of a lifetime you're you're going to make seven different changes if you're if you're like the average person here and so wow you, the first thing I think of is like, there's got to be the TV has to be blamed for that somehow. <laughs> like changing channels, like now we're you know changing jobs. It's well, I mean, crazy. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it, but I, I think the bigger part is industries are changing. There's no such thing as a 30 year factory job. Oh anymore. yeah, that's true. I mean, it, yeah. it, it just it doesn't exist in this country, right? Yeah. It, it, factor manufacturing has moved to Foxconn. There's 400,000 employees in one building, and at Foxconn, and and by the way. They manufacture far more efficiently than than we ever had. Now, there's also problems with with slave labor in many of these places. I'm not saying at Foxconn in particular, but at some of these places. But even if they're if you just have inexpensive labor, they're also they've also found ways to be far more effective with what what they're building. And so many of those jobs, the vast majority of those jobs, are not going to come back to this country. Just like there used to be milkmen. And there aren't milkmen anymore, and that's okay. And you know what? Eventually, there's not going to be a need for Uber drivers. There's not going to be a need for truck drivers, probably. Yeah. And that's unfortunate for some people. The, the 2.5 million uh, truck drivers that are in this country, they're going to have to find something else once we have these autonomous vehicles who, who, who can drive themselves and drive us somewhere. But in the meantime, there is a need for that. Just like at one point, there was a need for a milkman. And so you, if you're going to be a milkman today and, and a truck driver tomorrow, eventually any of those things are going to go by the wayside. And we have to be willing to adapt and change with, with that environment. Otherwise, we're just going to get left behind. Yeah. Can I talk about a... Uh a job idea I had that I think anyone out there who's like looking to pick up some extra work. Sure. So, uh, last night I was trying to order some of these like supplements that Mariah, uh, was recommended, uh, from her doctor. Okay. And, you know, of course I go to like, you know, Amazon and, you know, Google them. What's happening on Amazon is like people are going to, for example, these specific vitamins, if you go to the website, you can get for 35 bucks. Yeah. If you go to Amazon, you can get it delivered in two days, but you pay like 50 bucks or 54 uh-huh. bucks or something. I mean, it's almost, you know, close to twice or 150% of what, of what the uh, cost of the vitamins, vitamins are from the website. But there is a, um, oh, a luxury factor there, right? Like people are paying to get it within two days. Uh, they might be out of stock on the website, but they have it on stock on Amazon. Mm-hmm. But I was like, holy cow, like there are just, you know, people who they do most of their shopping on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And um, I've seen it before with a couple other products where uh, people just buy up a bunch of product and then they resell it on Amazon for Absolutely. a percentage more. So, I mean, this isn't something that is for everyone. It's not something I'm certainly not going to dive into. But I was like, wow, this is genius. Like if I was really looking to make a, you know, a couple hundred extra bucks a month, this is not a terrible way uh, to go about it, but I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, maybe that's yeah, really, yeah. maybe that's a really stupid idea. I don't know, man. But yeah, if you're willing to do that, a couple hundred bucks is is a really low bar. I'm, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars. You can do. I mean, there's drop shipping. Oh, of out course. There yeah, I'm just I'm just trying to be, uh, you know, reasonable. Like, so well, I, I want to be unreasonable though. I, I and I, <laughs> I I really do because someone like Ellie, I want her to get unreasonable right now. I want her sure. to do a bunch of unreasonable stuff to get out of debt. Because reasonable is the thirty-year mortgage. Reasonable is a six-year car loan. I would, I would viscerally disagree that a thirty-year mortgage is reasonable. I, I, but what, I, I, what I'm I saying, with you, I, I guess in approach our, in our culture. Okay, in our I guess culture, the word reasonable. I guess the, I guess what I'm trying, the word I meant to use was approachable. That maybe uh-huh. that's what I meant. Something yeah. that sounds like she can do it without. 
Uh, yeah, if I was to tell her you can make ten thousand dollars a month off of Amazon, it's possible. Yeah, absolutely unreasonable. Doesn't sound really approachable. Uh, yeah. I guess what I'm, I'm just trying to give uh, some approachable advice. I, ha- I have more faith in Ellie than you do. I think she can she can get out of debt quicker than that. And and what I'm saying here is I do want you to if if something sounds unapproachable, then, then what I want what I want to see is well how can I approach it. And I want her to have the confidence to know that, yeah. you know what, you can get out of debt. That's so funny because usually you're the baby steps guy. Uh, and, I, and I'm like the, I'm the uh, packing party guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, with respect to this stuff, I've seen it happen, man. And uh, Yeah, me too, me I, too. I, I was talking to a friend about this this past weekend about um, I, I have an unhealthy, or I'm sorry, a healthy, a healthy delusion. I, I am healthfully delusional with respect to you can drop me into any city with just the clothes on my back and, and nothing else. You hear that, and, TV producers? And I, I Here's will, a TV idea. No, it's not something I want to do, but if I had to do it, <laughs> I, I, I could make six figures in a year without a problem. Now, I would probably have to compromise certain uh, desires of mine. So I'm not interested in earning six figures a year now. Like that, that's not that, that's not my goal, right? If I, if again, if someone shows up with a bag of a million dollars tomorrow and says, "Here, you guys can do whatever you want with this money. There's no strings attached." That's great. I'm not allergic to money, but I no longer need to make a certain amount of money. And, and I, I think what's important for someone like Ellie or just anyone who who is listening to this is, yeah. You you do have to get a little bit unreasonable right now. Unconventional, I think, as is the word I would use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but but I, I guess in our society, the the that word, well, that's just not reasonable to to leave your your job, or it's not reasonable for you to take on uh, this new project. It's not. We, we hear this all the time, and what people the doubters are saying to you when, when they say that is it's not reasonable for me right. and and I'm scared. And you know what, Ellie, we all get scared. You know what? I, I left my corporate career six years ago this month and was it terrifying? Yes. You know, what was more terrifying looking 30 years down the road and seeing that version of myself and, and realizing if I worked really, really hard uh, for the next 10, 20, 30 plus years, I could become a C-level executive and be somewhat uh, as unhappy as those people were. And to me, that seems even more unreasonable. And so I I realized I needed to go in a different direction, even though it was scary, because uh, what was even more scary was staying along that status quo. So hopefully, Ellie, for for you, what's more scary is that debt. What's more scary is is not making the change. And what's more scary is not having that job that she loves. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because long term, I want you to to take back control. Now, it's weird because we hear this, Ryan, like, well, you get that job security. And I remember when I left, someone uh, said, yeah, but, you know, you had health insurance and and you're walking away from from that, all that security. Well, here's the weird thing, because a few years later, what happened? The company that we work for, at least the division that we work for, got bought by a different company. And all the stores, not all of them, but the, the vast majority of them closed. And we would have either been out of a job or our lives would have been changed radically. And so I think this idea of job security, especially in today's environment, today's climate, it is a total misnomer. And, and we, we've been told there's security. I'd rather bet on myself, though. That's real security and setting myself up for success. Now, that, does that mean that I'm telling Ellie or everyone else they need to be an entrepreneur to start their own business? No, not necessarily. I mean, if you want to try it, I think that's great, and I, I commend you for it. But what you do want to do is improve your skills to the point where you're marketable, where you're adding so much value to the company that you're working for that there's no question as to whether or not um, you're going to have a position there or somewhere else because you've found a way to create so much value for, for the other people who are there. Good luck, Ellie. You uh, know you can do it. Whether you take the baby steps or whether you go after you know $10,000 a month, I, <laughs> I know you can do it. Or whether you fall somewhere in between there, you got it, Ellie. Uh, I'd love to send her a copy of our book, Everything That Remains. It's, it's our story of walking away from the corporate world and to pursue something that was a lot more meaningful for us. It's a memoir about the, those f- that five-year transition. So, Sean, if you could reach out to her, give her the book version of that, or it's also out on audiobook now. So if you have an audible download code, maybe you could uh, send that over to her if she'd prefer that. Our next question is from Ross. Ross is in Wisconsin. I still have my, um, my high school 
my high school diploma, the actual physical diploma, and I also have my uh, little portfolio thing that the uh, that my college degree came in as well. I have never ever had to use or physically present those things to an employer or a job, and they've just been sitting there on the on my shelf looking pretty for so and so many years now. Um, that's kind of a it's kind of a tough call. Should I keep them? Should I get rid of them? Does it really, you know, I mean, they have a little bit of sentimental value, but I'm not completely attached to them. Um, but, yeah, I've never had to use them or show them to anybody, so that's why I'm wondering. What should you do, Ryan? I threw mine out. I mean, I scanned them, but yeah. I threw mine out, and I've never had to present them. I mean, you know, maybe one day, like, I'll be <clears throat> applying for CEO of some nonprofit organization, and they may ask for it, and I'll, you know, give them a scan copy, and maybe they'll be like, no, this isn't acceptable. Then I just go back to my university and ask them for my records. Like it's not, yeah, it's not hard to prove where you went to school. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, what, what do you say, man? I would just ask why are you why are you struggling with it? Yeah, letting go of it, right? Yeah. Because it's clearly you're not getting any value from it, and and I, it seems to me that he may be struggling with it because there is this perceived value, right? Yeah. We we talked about this a few episodes ago. He's Cal- got that nice leather holder, right? right. <laughs> and, and it's. We we try to make a distinction between what you and I call the higher order values, like mm-hmm. the health relationships, passion, growth, contribution, and then uh, the the core values, things like freedom and autonomy, and and we can expand on that in a different episode. But uh, and then these these more minor values as well, the things that the things that add value to your life, and then there's this imagined value, mm. right? So Cal, this, this is what perceived Cal, value, Cal, yeah. yeah, Cal Newport. Um, calls an imagined value, and that's not a real value at all. It, it, it's you, you are pretending. It's like a, it's an a, it's yeah. It's imaginary. It's a pr- imaginary friend. It's not a real friend. It's you're, like a lucky rabbit's foot. Yeah, yeah. You're pretending that you get some something from that, and I, I think I think that's what's true with with this. Now, for some people, they uh, they, they may get some sort of benefit from displaying, especially doctors in, in the doctor's office. They have that whatever. It's not necessary. I've never gone to a doctor and said. Well, you know, my interaction wasn't great here, but at least he's from Harvard. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I have a naturopath here in, in, in Missoula. I have a uh, medical doctor in Missoula. I, I couldn't tell you which school either one of them went to. Yeah, I've seen some cool displays, though, of diplomas. or Like, same thing with wedding dresses. Like, I'd, I'd rather see it displayed and, like, uh, make it art. Yes. rather than just sitting in a box somewhere. That's an interesting idea. So what it, and and so the question is if you're going to hold on to it, what can you do with it that would make it unique? Yeah. Right? So so how can you turn that into an art project in a way? <laughs> like can can you shred it in a way and then and then I mean I don't know if you shred it and then do something with it artistically like and to to make a statement like I I don't need this and I'm going to display the fact that I don't need this uh, which would be um uh, that's a very postmodern sort of way of doing it. But, um, you, you know, I, I, what I would do personally is I would do what Ryan did. I would scan it. You, know, you can check out, uh, we did a scanning party at theminimalists.com slash scanning. You can scan all your photos, scan all your important paperwork and so forth. But if you don't need to display it, if you don't feel the need to display it, then I, I would certainly scan it and get rid of it. If you feel the need that you're getting some sort of real value from that, it's, it's serving a minor value in your life, uh, it's bringing you joy in some way. I'm not going to tell you to get rid of something that brings you joy. You have to be honest with, with yourself uh, at this point. But you know what? The the piece of paper itself is a representation of the work that you put in. It's not the work itself. The actions are not in that piece of paper. The value is not actually in that piece of paper. Uh, you can say you went to you know Dartmouth or wherever you went to school, and, and I don't know why Dartmouth just popped into my head. But it's been your lifelong dream to go to Dartmouth. Yeah, I don't even know where that is. Um, <laughs> wait, Dar- <In> Dartmouth County. <laughs> There's <laughs> Dartmouth is a uh, is a city next to Halifax. Is it? We did a tour stop there once. Interesting. Um, I don't know if Dartmouth College is also in Nova <laughs> Scotia, but anyway, um, it, just because you went somewhere, the experience you had is, is not necessarily represented by that piece of paper. Yeah, and, and it's hard to m- d- discern between those two. But yeah, at the end of the day, like the memories yeah, are not in that diploma. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Our next question is from whom, Ryan? We are going to hear from Marinella. 
from St. Pete Beach, Florida. Oh, nice. I had a question about um, joining businesses that seem like a pyramid scheme, but you're not quite sure if they are. I'm currently debt-free, living with my girlfriend who's got some debt, and I was thinking of ways to maybe make some extra money to help her out and get us both into the place where we want to be. Um, And a friend of mine kind of pitched this idea of working um, on her team and purchasing items that we were going to, quote, unquote, buy anyway, unquote, and we might as well buy them and make money while doing so. And I was just wondering about how safe these type of businesses are and if there is actual safe money to be made and if it's an ethical business to get into. Marinella, I will give you the answer for nineteen ninety nine. But the beauty is, is once you get that answer, you can then sell it to your friend for nineteen ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, if you get five friends and sell it to them, we'll split that with you. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. No, I, I could. I, so <laughs> let let me just say, Ryan, that if it sounds like a pyramid scheme, it's probably probably is now. A pyramid I will. Scheme. I will say that there are like like Mary Kay, for example. Okay, uh-huh. I have seen women or men uh, get in, get involved with Mary Kay. And like get the pink uh, Mustang. Like I literally have a friend whose wife mm-hmm. like just started doing it on the side. Yeah, and she made tons of money. Uh, you know, sold so much product where like yeah, she got this free pink Mustang. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I don't know what I would do with a pink Mustang. Probably just sell it or get donated or something. But 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 my point is is like yeah, you know what? Those pyramid schemes, yeah, certainly like they could work. But there's a high risk there. I've seen way more people get involved with this type of stuff and it not work for them. Yeah. So is it possible? Sure. Right. But I, I don't think it's plausible to get involved with something like this to to look at it as a really, really good uh, secondary income. Now, you know, it, like, could I do it? Sure. I could sell anything. But right now in my life, like, I wouldn't go out of my way to sell something I didn't believe in. So that's the other thing, too, you got to consider, Marinella. Is this a product that you truly believe in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what are you what are you passionate about, and and does that align with with your values and the person you want to be? Because here's the thing, if you if I commend you for wanting to take this entrepreneurial spirit right now, but I would channel that in the most effective way. Now, what Ryan was talking about earlier is just e-commerce. I mean, there are ways for you. Sure. I actually listened to a really good podcast. Uh, Sean, you know Tom Woods. He did a bonus episode this past weekend. Let me see if I can if I can find it. We'll we'll put a link to it in the show notes actually. Um, where he had an e-commerce guy on there who actually uh, he was a, a big uh, vice president, a senior vice president at uh, LabCorp, one of the largest corp- medical corporations. It's a $5 billion company, right? So he, he walked away from that because he was freaking miserable. Like he was like, I'm, I'm, I'm working and I have financial freedom, but I don't have time freedom. I don't have mobility freedom. Basically, he, he wasn't able to align his actions with his values. Even though he was had this sort of financial freedom, he said, you know, I can't do this anymore. He walked away from it. And he started an affiliate marketing business online. And he's really transparent about it. And he made ridiculous money uh, online, uh, way more than, than most people. But he was really transparent about, like, here's, here's how much money I'm making. He made, I think it was over a million dollars in the first nine months doing affiliate marketing. But wow. then that business changed, and he stopped making, like, he, I don't want to say he went broke. He didn't go broke, but that he stopped earning revenue because the uh, the world of 2011 is gone. And, and affiliate market uh, marketing, while it can still work for some people, generally is not the the same thing it was in 2009, 2010, 2011. And and so. Th- that that business model no longer worked for him. It's just like bands who used to make, get all their following on MySpace. If you were to mm. try to continue that same model, that's not going to work for you today. You're still on my top five, Millie. <laughs> Thank you. No it was problem. Top eight, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you could change it. I think you can make a top five, top eight. Oh, really? You could display however many. Yeah. It was just Tom in my top eight. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Tom. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but of course, if you adapt with the times and, and you were a band back then who shifted over and then said, okay, I'm going to shift from MySpace to Facebook or Twitter and now Instagram and Snapchat or, or you're starting your own website and doing your own thing. If you adapt with the times like like this guy did, I'm really sorry that I'm blanking on, on his name. All right, so his name is is Steve Clayton. And the, uh, the episode, we'll put a link to this in the show notes. Uh, it says, entrepreneur leaves high salary job he hates. 
and became a master of e-commerce. So, so going, going back to that, he did the affiliate marketing for a while and made good money. That all dried up. And he's like, well, wait a minute. I can make money doing e-commerce stuff, me, me, meaning it's like you and I worked in retail. In order to open a retail store is really expensive time-wise because mm-hmm. you have to open up the shop for 40 to 80 hours a week, you know, whatever the, the retail hours are for what you're trying to do. But it's also expensive because you have to have a storefront. You have to pay rent and utilities and employees every month. But it's also expensive because there's a huge capital investment as well. You, you have to buy inventory. Yeah. And you can't really test inventory because if you're like, I'm opening a store for teens to you know, sell them you know, whatever tchotchkes teens buy. Um, Teen tchotchkes, <laughs> patent pending. <laughs> and that's really expensive. You can't say, well, now I want to test something for 38, 38 to 55-year-old females you can't really make that shift because your store mm. is catered to a particular audience. But now with e-commerce online, there are a lot of ways for you to tackle that a little bit differently. The question is, can you find something that aligns with your interests and doesn't go against your own values as an individual, right? And if you can do that, then you can find a way to probably make a living on online if, if that's the route you want to take. Um, the the pyramid scheme route though you got to just be really careful whenever i hear something that is multi-level marketing whenever i hear we sell products but you can also get your friends to sign up that the 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 you know clark howard sort of bells start going off as as podcast sean said during uh the well the voicemail was playing he he just heard the the clark howard is a radio show where anytime there's a scam like he just starts playing like the sirens <laughs> fraud alert and 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 am i telling you that it's definitely a fraud no is is it likely a pyramid scheme that's going to waste your time and money because here's the thing let's say you even make decent money from it like okay money it's a nice little side hustle or whatever that's okay but could you have more effectively spent your time doing something else that you're interested in that you're going to grow on your own Uh, as ryan alluded to earlier you know, when we started the minimalists.com, it was not to earn a full-time income. It, we were both in the corporate world and we just want to put something out there for free. So my question would be, if you're already working and, and you have a, a full-time gig right now and you want to start your own thing, what can you do that's going to add value to a bunch of people's lives for free? And how can you use that platform to get really good? Maybe that's uh, using social media. Maybe that's starting a podcast. Maybe that's starting a blog. If you want to see exactly how we started our blog, like the entire soup to nuts process, you can find that at theminimalistscom slash blog. And that's what we, we did. But eventually people started asking, we were adding so much value. Hey, when are you guys going to write a book? And then uh, several years later, Hey, when are you guys going to you know, come to our city? And then after that, when are you going to, when are you going to start a podcast? Hey, are you going to do any video stuff? And we did the documentary minimalism people started asking for it. So how do you know what business to go into? People are going to start asking you if you're adding value to, to their lives. And so when people start asking you for something, then you know that maybe that's an I- ideal business idea or business venture. Anything else to add here for, uh, for, for our pyramid, pyramid scheme? No, I would just, I would just uh, tell her to go with her gut. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and, and find a way for that gut and... and the the intellect to align yeah and i think you'll be in a really good space moving forward if you're willing to do that so we'll put a link to that and a bunch of other things in in the show notes um that we've talked about today i think we should probably move actually before we move on if if someone else has a a comment or tip about jobs about their career about entrepreneurship then uh leave us a voicemail 406-219-7839 we'll air our favorite comments and tips on the next episode all right you know what time it is millie let's do it it's time for the hashtag ask the minimalist lightning round where we answer questions from social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at The Minimalists and Facebook.com slash The Minimalists. During the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I do our best to answer each question, which is a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and paste and share our answers on social media if you'd like. 
someone actually did that yesterday with my quote on Twitter. <laughs> I was so honored. Man, thousands of people have been doing it with my quotes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I could just be like you, Millie. All right. Who, where's our Where's our first question from? It's from Jay. Can any job be suitable for a minimalist? Man, I struggled with this with giving a pithy answer for this one, but he, I I came back to it, and here is the pithy answer that I wrote down: A vocation that matches your short term actions with your values is ideal. I'd agree with that. I mean, obviously you want to aim for long-term values, long-term beliefs, but, but yes, if you have to get a job, uh, yeah, I totally, you know, to pay the bills, I totally agree with that sentiment. Yeah. And, but I, I guess what I'm saying there, and this will go back to the, uh, the, the questions we were answering, answering earlier is you don't want to do something that doesn't align with your values. If it's not the person you want to be, you don't want to compromise who you are, yeah. at, uh, especially long-term, but even in the short term, think of, would you rob a bank to pay off your debt? No. No, even even if you knew you weren't going to get caught, Ryan, would you rob a bank to pay no. off your debt? No, because it's, it's not aligning with, with your values. And I think the same is true with, with any other endeavor that we, we choose to embark on. If it's not, yeah, just because something's not immoral doesn't mean that it's right for you. And just because something... It is right is not right for you doesn't mean it's not right for someone else. So on this podcast, we refuse to do advertisements. I personally dislike advertisements. I think they suck. I think there are some people who can do it well. Sure. Uh, uh, Joe Rogan stands out to me because he's a comedian and it's really I funny. Love it. Yeah, he, like, he, those are my favorite advertisements on any podcast. Well, he makes fun of his advertisers in a way that's endearing. He's not like yeah. tearing them down. He's building them up through the, what we call complicels. Uh, <laughs> they're they're insults. Slash compliments yes. slash, slash assaults sometimes, <laughs> and um, he does a good job. But then I see someone like Tim Ferriss, whose podcast I absolutely love, but I hate his advertisements. And uh, it's it goes back to what Derek Sivers talks about. You don't want to put a coke machine in the monastery, and so I'm not willing to do that because it is it, it's against my my personal values. And I wouldn't feel good about it personally. There are other people who are great with advertising, and they, they in fact some of you. If you become an influencer on social media, I saw Jeremy Piven recently on on social media. He did an avocado advertisement. And I'm like, I wouldn't do advertising, but if I had to advertise for one thing, it was avocados made in Mexico, I would actually consider doing that. <laughs> I, just because I love avocados, man. I believe uh, I've quoted you as saying before, you would replace your blood with guacamole if possible. No, I could totally see you doing I've an avocado. Tried. I've tried. I've recently been getting <laughs> glutathione IVs, and I've seen it. I've, I, I've asked Dr. DeLilly if she would be willing to put guacamole in with the glutathione, but she has, she has not been willing to do it she yet. Has a, she doesn't recommend that? No. no. What would you tell Jay? I would say it doesn't matter what you do for a living. What matters most is living a life that aligns with your values and beliefs. So it's not just having a job that aligns with your values and beliefs. That's part of it. Uh, but does that job fit well with your entire life? Meaning, you know, you may have this amazing job that you really, really love, but if you don't have time to spend with your wife and kids, well, uh, you know, how awesome is that job? So no, I don't think it really matters as long as you're living a life that, that aligns with your values and beliefs. Yeah, I agree. Our next question is from Ryan Self. I swear I didn't do this. Is this Ryan himself? <laughs> Could someone work 60 hours a week and still have their priorities straight? Yeah, so my, my short answer to this is, what are your priorities? There are 168 hours in a week. Plan accordingly. Yeah, I, I couldn't... I couldn't agree more with that, man. I mean, it's like, it, if, even if you're working 100 hours a week, which is, I mean, just sounds like a nightmare to me. I'm sure there are people out there who do that, uh, and somehow they're able to still keep their priorities straight. Yeah, and it's because they have the, the right priorities for that lifestyle. Yeah. And and there are some lifestyles that wouldn't allow someone... I was just talking to Sean about this before you got here. Uh, Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, yeah. he, he does like a daily... I mean, it's unbelievable. He does one or two podcasts a day. Uh, every day, uh, a lot of it's just him ranting. He'll be in the backseat of an Uber or something. He'll just turn on his phone and start ranting for ten minutes, or he'll hop on Twitter and do a ten-minute Q and A session or whatever it may be. But he also runs a company with six hundred and fifty employees, mm. and uh, he works from the time he wakes up, probably sleeps four hours a night, is working eighteen to twenty hours a day every day, pretty much. That aligns with the person he wants to be. That wouldn't be ideal for for everyone, but you know what? If if he worked 
eight hours a day, I think he'd probably be miserable. And that wouldn't align with the person he wants to be. So maybe to go back to to uh, Ryan's self's question here, um, I think if Gary Gary V worked only sixty hours a week, he'd probably be miserable. Mm. He would he wouldn't feel contented by what he was doing. Yeah. And so the question has to do more with what are your priorities, and then you know plan your hundred and sixty hours a week around that. And I think you'll have a much more balanced life. It's not work life balance. It's just an overall balanced life based on what your priorities are. Yeah, I would just say our priorities are what we do, not what we say they are. So. You know, at the end of the day, if you're working 60 hours a week and you're saying that your health is your priorities, but you find yourself eating fast food and takeout all the time because you don't have time to make your own meals and eat healthy and you use that as an excuse, well then yeah, 60 hours is probably too much. But going back to, uh, to what you were saying, Josh, to each their own, just, just plan accordingly. Yeah. I think, I think that's good, man, because so often we say, well, yeah, my, my health is my priority. My, my family's my priority. This, 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 my, my priority. I say, take a look at your day. Mm-hmm. Show me your calendar and I'll show you your priorities. Amen. All right. What's next? Sam, do you leave a job that you love if you want to move out of state? Yeah. So my short answer to that is consider your values when making life-changing decisions. So for me, one of my values is mobility. Another one of my values is autonomy. Autonomy. Uh, Sean and I were also talking about this beforehand, and and, and that that feeling of being un, uh, uh, untethered to a location, to anything, the ability to walk away from just about anything is really important to me. And so I I will consider those decisions when making life changing decisions. Well, okay, I'll consider what what are my desires. Wh- wh- who's the person I want to become here? And I, I need to plan ar- around that. So do you value being? You know, I don't know where you want to to move, Sam. But are you going to value that? Does it align with the person you want to be? And and does that allow you to be the best version of yourself? If so. Yes, leave the job you love to move out of state if you're, it's going to be a net positive for you. Yeah. If it's not going to be a net positive, then you know, why would you do that? Because you, you, can, you can find another job that you love somewhere else. You, you may not be able to find the place that you love where you are currently. Yeah. No, you know, I would love to move to Ireland. Like, mm. I, it's beautiful over there. Got a lot of friends. Great food. I mean, it's awesome. But, like, at the end of the day... I can go visit Ireland. Uh-huh. I don't have to live there. So, I mean, that's, I guess, you know, would be my first recommendation, Sam, is, is you know, consider instead of like making this life changing thing is it's how can you get to the place you want to be more instead of getting there once every two years? How can you get there once a year? How can you get there twice a year? My, my short pithy answer is this home is where you find the most support. Mm. And that is certainly true for me. Uh, no matter where I'm at, uh, as long as I have a lot of support around me, then, then it feels like home to me. I remember we, we were on tour. We did that 100-city tour in 2014, and we were just in your Toyota Corolla driving from city to city to city. And I, I remember at one point, we, and we stayed in a lot of, we stayed a lot of readers' houses on their couches and stuff. We also stayed at a lot of uh, uh, Hilton Garden Inns, and that, in a weird way, began starting to f- feel like home because they're all the same, right? Like you go and it's this uniform. It's it's a decent three star yeah. hotel, right? It's yeah. not like some sort of luxury p- place. It's just a decent. We little do exactly hotel. what to expect. It yeah. was the same experience every single time. Yeah, but I, I remember this quote. You, you and it was almost like an accidental joke. You said home is where the car is, <laughs> because we weren't sure what city we were in. Sometimes we'd wake up in Jackson, Mississippi, and the next day we had to be in Birmingham, Alabama, yeah. or we'd wake up in. Uh, Regina, Saskatchewan, and we need to be in Saskatoon the next morning. And you, as long as like we were there, we found support. We, we found support in in those those cities, even though for a, a short period of time. So we had to get, even though traveling that long was really uncomfortable, we had to force ourselves to get comfortable for that period of time because it allowed us to pursue what was what was valuable to us at the time, which was getting out there, growing our message, our platform, but also also contributing to the world in a way we hadn't contributed before. So dude, looking back on that, I, I don't I, there's no way I could have done that by myself, man. If it wasn't for <laughs> your support, man, if it wasn't for us like, you know, uh, having some comedy breaks in between tour stops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, yeah, or for the support dude, there's no way I could have done it for sure. No, it was a great experience. And it's not, and again, it's not, so so you, you often need to make sure there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And even when it's far down that tunnel, I remember we were in the fourth city. Mm. We were in Orlando. <laughs> it was, it like- was January. <laughs> 
And I'm like, oh my God, Ryan, what have we got ourselves into? We have 96 tour stops left this yeah, year. Yeah, in fact, it ended up being more than that because we did 119 events because yeah. a lot of those sold out and we had to do double headers and stuff. And I say sold out, they were all free events. So like they just filled up and we just had to do double headers. Yeah. And, and so um, it, was, it was a difficult year, especially like, oh my gosh, we have 96 cities. But it wasn't, it wasn't, oh my gosh, this is going to go on forever. That is true despair. We, yeah. Where if I was like, we're four cities in, and this is never going to There's end. There's no way out. Yeah, yeah that, w- that would feel like despair. But instead, a lot, because there were 96 cities, I'm like, well, let's hop, he- let's hop in head first. Let's really embrace this. And so wherever you are, maybe it's th- that job that you love. Maybe it's a job that you hate. How can I embrace this for the time being if I see the light at the end of the tunnel? All right, next question, Ryan. Our last question is from Cheyenne. She wants to know, what is the best way to negotiate a salary? She says she often gets intimidated to ask for what she wants financially and ends up settling. Well, I hate that word settling. Yeah, we talked too. about this on our friends podcast uh, episode or two ago. That that word settling means dying, right? The dead things settle to the bottom, right? So be careful with if you feel like you're settling, then you 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 want that to be a warning sign to head for the hills, right? So uh, what I'm going to tell Cheyenne with my my maxim here is you will never have to settle if you add considerably more value than you're worth. So I went back uh, a moment ago and said, if you're adding four times as much value than what you want, you know, so if Cheyenne, if you want to make $40,000 a year, the question then is how can you... Uh, how can you add $160,000 worth of value to that company? Mm. Uh, can you take on some additional project projects? Can you show them that you're going to add way more value to their bottom line? I, I think, Ryan, back into the corporate world, the last time I ever interviewed for a job, I think I was 21 maybe, I never had to interview for another job after that because I, I went out of my way to add so much value as any time a promotion came up, they they gave it that they were eager to give me that promotion because they knew I was going to add more value for that position than than what I was commanding in terms of a yeah. salary. You know, at one point I was managing multi millions of dollars worth of stores and certainly not making that much money. Um, and the corporate, I mean, I made a couple hundred thousand dollars in the corporate world per, per year um, at the high end, but was adding considerably more value than that. And so I knew that if I was able to add more value than I was worth those people would be eager to to give me what I wanted. Absolutely. Uh, you know, my simple answer would be this. If you don't ask, you'll never know. Cheyenne, you know, at the end of the day, uh, if you are, you know, offered a 10% raise, I'm just throwing numbers out here for an example. If you're offered a 10% raise, it's perfectly appropriate to go back and say, you know, here's what I've done up to this point. Uh, and I feel like uh, 20% would be more of a fair raise. And they may come back and say, you know what? 20% is not good. We're going to give you 15%. Right. But at least, uh, at least you are throwing it out there and you have the data to back up what you're asking for. Like that, that is, uh, that's the best advice I can give you. I mean, I, I cannot tell you how many times I had uh, employees or uh, just friends or whatever. The advice I would give them is exactly that. If you don't ask... You're not going to know. And they would take that and they would just simply, I mean, for our sales guide, they would just simply ask like, oh, can I sell you this or could I sell you that? Mm -hmm. And yes, like all of a sudden their sales are boosting, you know, 20% just because they're asking. So Cheyenne, don't, uh, don't get scared to ask. It's totally appropriate to ask as long as, again, you have the, the data to kind of support what you want. And, and you approach it in a nice way. Yeah, I think that's important, Ryan, is, is knowing how much you're worth, right? Yeah. Because you might want, uh, you might want to make half a million dollars a year, Cheyenne, but if you're not worth that, then A, how do you become worth that? I mean, it's a lot of money, but, but, um, it, it, and then B, like, know what your worth is. And if, if you're not worth what you want, how do you create, how, how do you create that worth? I, and I can also think, uh, of a lot of the jobs I was in, Ryan, I would ask for, um, less salary and higher bonuses or higher commission structures. Yeah. Uh, especially when I became a director of operations and, and the salary was, you know, it was over six figures. And I, what I negotiated was a salary, a salary, a fixed salary that was under six figures with really high bonuses. If I, because I was investing in myself, I I was gambling on myself and, and knowing that if I'm willing to, to make the changes necessary, then I'm going to be okay. But it's putting on my shoulders. Right. And, and, uh, if you do that, 
if you show your worth, then I mean, it's going to be a win for you. It's going to be a win for your company, and everyone's going to feel better about about that uh, that agreement, that arrangement that you have. All right, well, let's move on to our added value portion of the show. This is where we each recommend something that has added value to our lives recently. Uh, I will start, Ryan. I got a bunch of things here. Um, mm, where do I start? Uh, there's a new podcast that just came out. It is uh, called Missing Richard Simmons. Oh, <laughs> I know. I hear. I hear he's like disappeared. And he did three years ago, last month, I think he disappeared, and he. Um, no one really knows why he was teaching a class every week still, even though he's you know, wildly famous, whatever. He was still teaching a $12 a class in Beverly Hills, trying help, trying to help people. All of a sudden he just went missing. And so it's a investigative journalist approach toward finding Richard Simmons. And, uh, man, I found a lot of value in, in that so far. Um, actually I'm going to save some of these other ones for our next, next podcast. Nice. But, uh, what else you got? Well, you know, I always hate like recommending people to like spend their money on stuff, but like uh -huh. I, I get this stuff and it really adds a lot of value to my life. It's called Immunical Platinum. And I know this is like, sounds like such a cheesy advertisement. I'm not getting paid to say this. It's seriously, it's just uh, like a high concentrated like protein. Uh -huh. And then there's some like creatine with, uh, with that specific um, uh, uh, type of Immunical. What kind of protein is it? It's, uh, I don't, I think it's, I think it's whey protein, maybe. Okay, I'd have to look it up and see. But what I'll tell you, that, uh, so uh, Meryl, our uh, Josh and I's massage therapist, yes, yes, uh, she recommended this to me for faster recovery time for working out. Mm -hmm. And I do notice whether it's placebo or not, like I do notice a significant uh, uh, increase in recovery time, like by a day or two or something. You know, usually like like yesterday, I hit it really hard. Mm -hmm. hit, hit, hit it really hard on the bench presses, man. And, uh, and, uh, typically like I would be hurting until the end of the week. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like I just, but there's a lot of other things I do too. Like there's amino acids that I take. Uh, I also do like a little bit of juice. So, uh, oh, he's juicing. Yeah. You hear that? <laughs> Jose Canseco over here. I, Not that type of juice. But I was yeah, wondering I mean, why you're hitting is... so many home runs this year. <laughs> it was, it's, it's, it's expensive stuff. Uh, so I'm just going to throw that out there. But if you're somebody who's like in the gym a lot, I mean, this is a supplement I take that I, again, I don't, I don't know if it's placebo or not, man, but even if it is placebo, I'm still, it still works, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's my reco. Um, but yeah, no pressure to, if you don't work out, then, you know, there's no reason for you to go out and yeah, check, or like check I couldn't take out. it. Like I, I can't do whey. I can't do dairy at all. Even, even whey protein, even butter. I let, me look at, let me look at, let me just look it up here and see exactly what kind of protein it is. It is, it's creatine, minerals added. Da, 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 da. It doesn't, it doesn't really say here on the top. I'd have to dig into a little bit more, but All right. anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll look, I'll, I'll let you know if it is whey or not. Um, Let's, well, I'm well, sure it's not bone broth protein. I can't. Yeah. Any, any sort of, uh, I can do bone broth, bone broth without a problem, but I just, there are certain proteins that just mess with my stomach. I've, a very fragile stomach. Anyway, uh, let's move on to right here, right now. This is where we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. Um, I mentioned this, but let's mention it one more time. The Less Is Now Tour. Find all the tour stops and dates over at theminimalists.com slash tour. Also, I did a extensive, I think it was two-part interview with our friends over at Evernote recently. And uh, it's over on their blog. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. I really like and I'm, I'm mentioning this for this episode in particular because I talked a lot about passion and creativity and jobs and work and, and, and what we do and how we can walk away from, from one side of, uh, of that creative life into something that we, that we feel a lot more fulfilled by. Um, what else here? Mm -mm 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 -mm. Advertisements suck. Oh, but you can support the podcast by donating or reviewing. So if you want to donate anything to this, to the Minimalist Podcast, you can go to theminimalist.com slash donate. And, uh, or you could review on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. That really helps us reach a lot more people because it puts it in more people's recommended podcast feeds. Oh, and uh, so many people, uh, we talked about this briefly, Ryan. Uh, we talked about on the clothing podcast, uh, the bag that I use that thousand, literally thousands of people have asked about yes. from the documentary. 
It's made by a guy named Malcolm Fontier, and they've been out of business. Uh, his company's been out of business since 2012. Well, he's thinking about bringing it back, and so if you want him to notify you of that, um, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. You can go to his website, sign up for this contact form, and if he decides to put that bag back out in a limited amount. If lim- there are 100 people out there who really want this bag, yeah, I promise that 99 of them don't need it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, it, if you really need a new bag, it then this is I, it's the best bag I've ever used. But you probably don't need a new bag. No, just keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, but if you're interested in, in that, we'll put a link to the Malcolm Fontier bag in in the show notes. I, I did a little post uh, over on on Facebook to to let people know about that. You got anything else, Ryan? I do. I have these tasty voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Mmm. Hi, Josh and Ryan. My name is Chris Urban, and I'm a computer tech calling in from Chico, California. I was listening to your organizing episode and wanted to give a tip to Tanya, who called in wanting to sort her digital files. You guys mentioned cloud storage as an option, which is great for some. I personally dislike cloud storage because I never want to risk my personal privacy if there was a security issue with the cloud service. I'll be facing sorting my own digital files this month, and we'll be doing it with two hard drives, which will be the same model of size, and will be in RAID 1. Without going into too much detail, RAID 1 is a way to set up hard drives to be mere images of each other. Every time a file is added to one, it goes to the other also. It appears as one drive in the operating system. If one drive fails, the other will still have the data. It's a great way to back up important data and avoid the cloud. I realize this sounds very complicated, but it really isn't. Search online for how to set up RAID 1, and I am sure you will find plenty of guides. Hopefully this helps. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Jennifer, and as I am leaving this comment, I'm realizing this is from January 26, 2016, not 2017. It's the education episode. But um, I'll go ahead and leave my comments anyways. Um, it was a girl talking about wanting to be a tattoo artist, and ironically, I also, um, I wanted to be a tattoo artist. I went through an apprenticeship and for over a year, and I tattooed for five years after that. Um, a lot of people stay with it, and um, inherently they kind of have to because they end up, <laughs> at least here in Texas, they end up getting tattoos that prevent them from getting any other type of job um, outside of, I don't know, hairstylist or barista, kind of the nature of it. Um, but things are changing now, and you can, you know, expand outside of there. But I wanted to tell her, which I know this is over a year old now, um, that become a rock star kind of look to it. And as being a tattoo artist, and now I no, I no longer am. I, I stopped tattooing because the hours got too difficult for me. I wasn't happy. I loved the actual art of tattooing but everything that kind of inherently comes along with it the hours and the no no benefits at least in most states you don't have any kind of health insurance or anything and being away from my family and having to work on the weekends um this all just started to pile up and it took away all of the passion so i just really in in closing wanted to make sure that especially her but anyone when you look at a career from the outside um just to really get get a good look at the inside and talk to people that have done that or been there before, before you really jump in, because there could be other things, you know, maybe those things won't affect her, but as as I grew in life and I wanted to start a family, that lifestyle, that career was no longer going to work for me. Hi, my name is Erin and I live in Salt Lake City. During the clothing episode, you touched a lot on intentional purchasing and I had a tip I've been using lately that I hope can help other listeners express intentionality when they need to buy things. Um, so what I do is I keep a note on my phone of questions that I have to answer, look at and answer before I purchase something, and it can be anything from groceries to clothing. And you can come up with whatever questions work for you, but here are mine as an example. So the first one is, uh, and hopefully it's the podcast favorite, uh, does this add value to my life? The second one, can I afford it? The third, can something else do the same job or substitute well enough? So hopefully it forces me to be a little bit creative and see if I can find something already that will work. Um, Fourth, will I use it frequently enough to warrant buying it? So it helps me consider if it's something that maybe I can borrow or rent instead. The fifth, can I buy it used if I do need to buy it? And then the sixth, does it fall in line with my principles? 
Um, so, for instance, I'm a, a vegan for ethical reasons, so when I buy food, I choose to buy plant-based food. Um, if it's clothing, it's something that I um, hopefully can find sustainably produced and that will last me a long time. Um, or if it has uh, any type of packaging, that hopefully it's recyclable. And then lastly, um, which kind of ties back to the first one, do I need it or do I just want it? And if it's something I just want, then it needs to go back on the shelf. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things, because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab oh i bet that you'll be fine without it so take your eyes away or take your eyes